puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Conklin's pass, a shot, they score! Shankly Connor scores! What a stop by Hellebuck! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Well, hello and welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Adam Brooks, the newest Jet and Winnipegger, joining us here on the podcast. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit, but first of all, I'll introduce our esteemed colleagues here. Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Jamie Thomas. But uh, this week, you guys are actually the radio duo. Uh, Paul Edmonds, unfortunately, falling ill with covid uh, wishing him all the best as he uh, recovers from that. But uh, Mitch, you've slid into the play-by-play chair, just wearing another hat. Uh, before we get into things, just maybe uh, tell us a little bit about what that experience is like. I know you did the color, uh, but now onto the play-by-play. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, just to echo your sentiments. First off, hopefully all the uh, the recovery from COVID uh, is going well for for Paul Edmonds. That's the main thing out of all this. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's been fun. You never want your opportunity to come at the expense of someone else. I think I said the same thing uh, when, when Jamie went down a little bit earlier this season, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'd done play by play a little bit here and there uh, over the course of my uh, time with Jets TV. And then a little bit uh, prior to that as well. So I've, I've done it before, but I remember uh, thinking partway through that first period against the Calgary flames even though it was a game where there wasn't a whole lot of open ice or anything like that, I remember thinking, Oh man, is this fast? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, as the road trip's gone on, it's, uh, it's gotten a little bit better, found a little bit uh, more of a groove, which is a good thing because the game against the Colorado avalanche was extremely fast up and down the ice. So it was, uh, a lot of talking with not a whole lot of breathing. So, um, yeah, you know, looking forward to seeing, uh, Paul Edmonds again when he returns, but, uh, in the interim, it's been fun. And, uh, similar to when I was doing color and Paul was the person that was kind of quote unquote guiding me along and kind of steering the ship. Uh, Jamie Thomas has been, uh, similar in that, in that regard, just making sure that I've got everything I need and, uh, we're communicating kind of throughout the whole process. So both guys have been great whenever I've had to step in for either one of them. So, um, yeah, it's been a really cool experience. Jamie, how's he been doing? He's, it's not like we him and I haven't sat beside each other in a booth or something like that before. So it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have done it. I uh, had numerous conversations sitting beside each other. I mean, listen, play play by play is to me the hardest craft in, in, in the job that we have in the sports broadcasting industry. It is fast. I don't care what sport it is. If it's baseball, you got to talk forever. You got to, you know, fill time between uh, each pitch and each play. Uh, football same thing so I just uh, I've I've appreciated the craft and understood how hard it is for a very long time so for Mitch to step in uh, in at the last second it's one thing to do color you're just commenting on what happened it's uh, after something has happened play by play is doing it right at that moment so to me Mitch has done a great job and it's uh, to step in in the National Hockey League the way he has is is, uh, pretty impressive. All right. Well, we got a great episode uh, for everyone today. Like I mentioned, Adam Brooks is our guest. Uh, he'll chat with us for about 
just under 15 minutes. Uh, the three of us will chat about uh, the week in review. It's been a bit of a tough one for the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, I can feel that things maybe are on the up and up. Uh, we'll talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois play, and then we'll look at the week ahead as well. And then in the back half of the podcast, I'm joined by marketing manager for the Manitoba Moose, Annie Chipman and community relations coordinator, Raquel Payne, as they talk about the woman in sport job shadow program that they're running for their gender equality initiative uh, down with the Manitoba Moose. So uh, a great chat and uh, a really cool thing that they're putting together. So if that's something that interests you, you definitely should take a, a listen. There's This is a great opportunity uh, for young females looking to get into uh, not only the sports workforce, but just the workforce. I think it'll be a great experience for, for just about anyone who, uh, who enters. So uh, make sure to stick around for that part of the podcast as well. Uh, Mitch, we'll start with you. Uh, just a quick recap of the week that was for the Winnipeg Jets just honestly three losses and I think they all come to the same result and that's heartbreak you play a a fantastic game in Calgary and uh, you fall to a late goal by Elias Lindholm flames pick up their 10th straight and the the Jets go home with nothing Uh, and then the Jets played a pretty solid road game in Dallas and unfortunately a puck barely crosses the line in overtime and you walk away with a point and then you open up to a three nothing lead over the Colorado Avalanche which is Pretty shocking considering the Avs' uh, home record and and their record of being the best team in the league right now, uh, and then losing six three ultimately. So, just Mitch, just how do you recap this week uh, in words and, and and just the the tough nature of the losses? Yeah, you said it. It's they're all really difficult losses in in different ways. I mean. It's one thing, like the thing that makes the loss to the Calgary Flames so tough, like you mentioned, is how well the team played throughout 59 minutes and then to lose it in the final minute and get zero points for the uh, incredible effort that you put forward against a team that, like you said, is absolutely surging. To get no points out of that effort, I, I like that's a that's a gut punch right there. And then, you know, you, you, uh, you collect yourself, you head into Dallas, you know it's a big game. They were four points ahead of the Jets at the time, I believe. Um, and then you go into Dallas second time in you know roughly just over a week that you're seeing them at American Airlines Center. And again, it's another tight game. And instead of the one that was a little bit earlier in the month where the the Stars kind of had the lead for the, for the majority of the game, this one it was the Winnipeg Jets that had the lead most of the way. Um, and then the, the Stars were able to, to get the equalizer from Dennis Gurionov uh, late in the third period. And you get into overtime, and this is where that that similar script is, you know, like Jets had a really good chance. It was Mark Scheifele earlier in the month, and then it was uh, Josh Morrissey uh, earlier on this road trip. Ottinger makes the save, and it comes back the other way, and a really tough break for Connor Hellebuck on the overtime winner from Tyler Sagan. I mean, that shot hits Hellebuck, and then Hellebuck bats it up in the air a little bit higher, and my initial thought when Sagan hit it was it's probably a high stick, but when you see it on the replay, I don't know if it is or not, but the puck definitely does go over the line. You could kind of see it in Josh Morrissey's shoulders after he kind of swept it out. He probably knew at that moment, but uh, play continued for another like five seconds. But other than that, um, you know, there, there was a bit of a review, but uh, clearly nothing to come from that. And then that, and that game kind of got me thinking like, man, the, the Winnipeg jets at this point now have, nine overtime you know or shootout losses like you think about how many points they are out of the wild card and, and it's not necessarily that you're going to win all of those games but you start to think of, of you know a man like maybe if that was split or, or something like that but that's why uh, that's why you play the games and why the 
the funny bounces sometimes just don't go your way. So unfortunate for the Jets in that regard, you hope it kind of starts to turn a little bit uh, in the last 30 games or so. And then, yeah, you go into Colorado and play an absolute dream of a first period. Like that was some of the best hockey. I think the Winnipeg Jets have played all year. You get another shorthanded goal from Adam Lowry. He's got a couple of those in a, about a week span. And uh, then the last 40 minutes happened and, you know, Nathan McKinnon, and I didn't even realize this till after the game, but Nathan McKinnon, had 14 shots on goal in that game. I believe he set a new franchise record uh, with that mark. And I mean, he was everywhere. He was back from injury. Uh, he had missed the last game against the Detroit Red Wings and he was absolutely flying. And that's, that's kind of the difference between the first period and the final 40 is, you know, in the first, there wasn't a whole lot of room for the avalanche to operate in the second and third, there was a little bit more and um, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league and they'll make you pay. And that's kind of what happened. Jamie, uh, we talked about it at length here, but clearly some tough losses for the Winnipeg Jets. We record this on Saturday from Arizona before the Winnipeg Jets are set to hit the ice at 1.30 for a practice. Just how do you approach this next handful of days uh, knowing that the adversity that's kind of in your way and, and handling these tough losses and, and just sort of managing the emotions, so to speak? You're going up against an Arizona team that, no knock on them, but they are not mm. the quality of the opponent that you've just come off of. So just how do you handle these next few hours here uh, in order to reset? I think this term has been used a lot and for good reason as of late, it's just like you park everything that happened in Denver. And I, I look at, you know, some people might be frustrated and I understand why with what happened in Denver yesterday, but I go back to last month in, Jan in January when the Toronto Maple Leafs got up to a three, nothing lead in Denver. And then it was a four, one lead. And then they watched that, disintegrate in front of them uh, against a relentless avalanche team. So I think you just, you, you realize how well you put in that first period. You realize there are pockets of your game that you're good in Dallas. And then you realize the entire game, except for one 10 second span in Calgary, you played a very good road game. So I think you just take little chunks of every one of those parts and realize that you can play a decent set of hockey and you're a good hockey team. You just had little mental lapses here and then. So Arizona has been a little bit of a handful. Dallas had problems with them uh, recently. So I just think you stick to your game. The way you played here last time, they were very patient. You know, Carl Hamelka was Carl Hamelka for whatever reason raises his game whenever he sees the Winnipeg Jets, uh, both in Winnipeg and here in Glendale. And you just they just stuck with it the whole time. Didn't try to look for too much offense or cheat too much to get to offense and didn't get frustrated the second time they ran into Helmelka and they, and they eventually beat Arizona. So they, there's a lot to take and realize that this is a team you should beat. And if you play the way you have for a long stretch in Calgary, and, and I've already mentioned the way they played at the other parts of this road trip, you should beat the Arizona Coyotes and you got to chip away at this a little bit at a time and don't get overwhelmed with how many points you have to get over the last stretch of these 30 something games um, to get yourself in a playoff position or else you're just going to get overwhelmed and there's enough veteran players in that dressing room to realize the task at hand. And, and you could sense the frustration of Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois. They realize what's going on here. They're giving it all they can. Just the bounces haven't gone their way right now, especially on this road trip. So just a little bit at a time with Arizona here uh, on Sunday afternoon and come home with a little bit of, you know, some positivity before you start your four-game homestand. Mitch, uh, Jamie just mentioned his name there, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He had two assists against the Colorado Avalanche and, and really has just been one of the most consistent performers for the Winnipeg Jets this season, which I think is what all Jets fans 
uh, we're looking forward to seeing out of the the young forward. Just what have you seen from him uh, as of late and overall this year that's made him so successful in that Jets sweater? Well, he's just been an absolute handful for opponents to to handle, really. Um, you know, he talks so much, you know, coming out of the offseason about how he was back to feeling like himself. And now we're seeing what that really is. And crazy part is, you know, he's only 23 years old. And, you know, there's a play in Colorado and Jamie and I talked about it, you know, on the air and off the air where he's got a defender kind of draped all over him. And he's got um, Dubois got his stick in his right hand, I believe is what it was. And, you know, he's holding off a check with his left and he's still stick handling with his right hand on the outside, like protecting the puck and still trying to find a play to the middle of the ice. And, we've seen so much of that over the course of the season, you know, early on, it was, you know, he'd come down either one of the wings and he would drop that shoulder and he'd start driving to the net. And that was a big challenge. And now we're, as the the game has kind of changed over the course of the season and you start getting closer and closer to the playoffs, you know, there's more of that grind. It's more in the, in the corners along the walls and Pierre-Luc Dubois has been superb in that area as well. Um, Picked up a couple of assists against the avalanche. He was, you know, he was absolutely everywhere and, you know, he's been pretty good in the faceoff dot as well that those numbers are only going to continue to improve. And it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, plays out the the last kind of 30 games of this uh, regular season with the Jets in that uh, wild card race. Like you would imagine, you know, he's only going to keep getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on and, and good for him and for hitting the 20 goal mark. It's something he hadn't done since 2018, 19. So, you know, that was a big accomplishment for him. I believe his career high is somewhere in around 27 goals. It was set a couple of years earlier. So uh, no doubt he's probably got that in his sights over the course of the last little bit. But I mean, if he keeps playing the way that he is, you know, he could very well have a real good shot at getting to that, especially with the the chemistry that he and Kyle Connor have, um, you know, it was on full display against the avalanche there in the first period. So, and has been throughout the season. So I think, you know, a lot of big things still to come for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but he's been so solid for the Winnipeg Jets. Jamie, we'll wrap things up here before we get to our interview. Uh, with just a look at the week ahead for the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, on, on Sunday afternoon, the Arizona Coyotes are the opponent, and then they head back to Winnipeg uh, to take on the Montreal Canadiens, which should be an interesting game. The Canadians are suddenly surging. Then you skip mm. over to the Friday game. Uh, the Dallas Stars, who... The Winnipeg Jets obviously play pretty well. And then a Sunday evening tilt against the New York Rangers. So another uh, intriguing matchup against a pretty good young team. So just what can the uh, Jets expect for the upcoming week? Well, first off, I think about a month ago, if you looked at the early part of March and you saw the Montreal Canadiens sitting there, okay, well, the way the Canadiens were playing before the coaching change, um, you kind of felt good about the Jets' chances if you're looking that far down the road. Now, Martin St. Louis has somehow ignited uh, numerous amounts of players. The Canadians are getting a little bit healthier, but Nick Suzuki's raised his game a little bit, so he was clearly the the star player for the Canadians in the bubble um, a couple of springs ago and, and kind of carried that over to last year. And then so there'll be a handful. And Dallas, let's just put it in the – on the thing right now, let's just go. It's going to go to overtime <laughs> flat out. The last four meetings between these two teams, it's going to go to overtime or a shootout. Um, it'll be tight in that way. And then the Rangers, man, like we saw, you kind of saw they were working their way back up, but they're one of the more dangerous teams. Like there's a lot of dangerous teams in the Eastern Conference. The the, the Rangers are another one of them. And Chris Kreider's having an unbelievable season. Artemi Panarin's a handful. And of course, Jacob Trouba will be back in town. And, of course, they have one of the best goaltenders in the league right now as well in the, in the Rangers. So it is a complex uh, home schedule, but 
if you get that good feeling uh, winning this game in Arizona on Sunday afternoon, you come back home and hopefully you can start making your way up in the standings with a, with a four-game homestand with the, that, those three games starting next week. WinnipegJets.com backslash tickets uh, to attend one of the home games. And just a reminder, the Winnipeg Jets will be keeping the vaccination policy uh, mandatory vax if you'd like to attend a Winnipeg Jets or Manitoba Moose game. Uh, and I believe as of March 15th, masks are optional as well. Uh, so those are the rules going forward through to the end of the regular season as it stands now. All right, without further ado, Adam Brooks here on Ground Control. Enjoy. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Dominic Toninato, and you are listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets by new Jets forward, Adam Brooks. Adam, uh, first of all, welcome back to Winnipeg. That's got to be pretty exciting for you. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely exciting, I think. I think for, um, you know, myself and my family, uh, when we got the news that I was coming back to Winnipeg, um, you know, there was, there was a huge buzz going through our family group chat and um, just a whole lot of excitement. So it's uh, it's always been a dream of mine to play for the Moose or the Jets and uh, now to just be able to wear that jersey for, you know, whatever the timeline is, um, you know, it's a huge honor. Maybe just take me through the, the timeline a little bit. Just how did you find out? When did you find out you were coming to Winnipeg? And how did your family sort of get involved in that whole thing to sort of start the roller coaster? Yeah, well, it, it was a, a weird couple of days. Um, Vegas, you know, I knew for a while that um, they were getting close to healthy. Um, you know, obviously, um, Stoney had his issue going on and then, um, Jack was on the horizon. So I knew that, um, I was probably going to go on waivers at some point. So, um, when I went on waivers with them, um, you know, it was just kind of waiting game to see what happens. Um, Toronto obviously picked me up and then, uh, you know, they were looking to try to sneak me through waivers so I could go play in the AHL for their team. And then, um, I guess that night Winnipeg must've had some injuries and, um, you know, found out obviously that next day that I was coming home. So, um, you know, after you find out it, it's crazy, um, you know, teams want to fly you in, get you going. And, um, you know, I had stuff kind of all over the place. I had some stuff in Vegas, had some stuff in Toronto. So, um, you know, my girlfriend obviously helped me out with that. And then, um, uh, my family just, you know, we're trying to get, you know, my room at my house set up, uh, you know, they, had some stuff sitting in there, some storage and, um, you know, just had to uh, arrange who was going to pick me up from the airport. So it was a crazy, uh, I would say 72 hours, um, there, but, you know, just to be able to come back home, um, be with your family and friends and just kind of unwind a little bit while, um, you know, playing professional hockey is obviously a great feeling. So do you have a, a place in Winnipeg that you're able to stay at while you're playing? Or are you at mom and dad's right now or with the girlfriend? Yeah, no, I'm at mom and dad's right now. Um, you know, the Winnipeg market has been so crazy. I've been looking yes. for a year and a half, but didn't really know the time. Um, went to pull trigger, but, um, you know, being home now kind of sped up that process. I was looking for the summer, but now I'm going to have to, uh, you know, kind of get on that. Although mom and dad's house is always a treat. Yes, of course it is. Yeah, free free yeah. meals and, and laundry usually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just what was the travel like? I mean, we t- were talking before we started recording just today's travel day. Obviously, we weren't able to get out of Dallas last night and into Denver today. And 
just the whole ice storm issue out in Dallas. Just uh, how does today's travel compare to what you went through over the last few weeks? Yeah, today was at least one flight. Uh, you know, I yeah. was uh, I was in Vegas and then I actually flew that that night to Colorado. The AHL team was there. So I flew in and then had to drive an hour away. Um, and then the next morning went got in pretty late around 11 o'clock, went the next morning to morning skate. Um, wasn't allowed to go on the ice because you're not supposed to during waivers. And then right. right as I was about to step on the ice, got the phone call from Kyle Dubas that I was going back to Toronto. <laughs> so then that day had to, you know, try to get back to Vegas. Um, got back pretty late there. So stayed overnight, flew to Toronto um, that day. And then Kyle called me in the morning, said that I was going to go back on to waivers that day. So, um, you know, the, the flight from Vegas to Toronto is about four hours, I think, plus a three hour time change. So again, there was some delays. There was a storm in um, Toronto. So I got in pretty late there. Um, same thing. Didn't unpack, had a condo there um, and then woke up, just kind of hung out and then got a call from Winnipeg. So it was a little wild. Um, you know, it was you know, a lot to deal with, I'd say. And, um, you know, it was pretty hard uh, mentally just, you know, with all the questions being yeah. asked from, you know, family, friends, outside people, and, um, you know, just all the talk. I think I was, uh, you know, a walking meme on social media. So I tried <laughs> to, you know, I don't have it. I stay away from it, but a lot of people were sending it to me. So it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting 72 hours, but, um, you know, obviously, like I said, happy to just be back in Winnipeg. Yeah. How do you, as a hockey player, you know, how do you reflect on a time like this where on one hand, like you kind of mentioned earlier, you sort of saw the writing on the wall with Vegas guys are starting to get healthy, but then on the other hand, Toronto really wanted you. And then also Winnipeg really wanted you as well. And I, I I'm pretty sure I would be correct in saying this. I don't think Toronto wanted to put you through waivers because they were probably fearful that something like this might happen. It's happened before. So just how do you reflect on, on this time as a player that is wanted, I guess, in, in many regards. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely hard. Um, you know, it's, it, when I look back, I think at the end of my career or whenever that may be, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really cool thing to look at. Um, you know, just the, the chance to play for, you know, some really, really cool teams in the NHL to visit some cool cities and, um, you know, obviously stay up this whole year thus far and, um, you know, be uh, making NHL pay, but um, it is hard, um, you know, to try to stay on the positive sides with a lot of this sometimes. Um, like I said, there's a lot of outside noise that you try to block out. Um, you know, you, you try to look at it as you're wanted, but, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you get a little down and get a little frustrated that you didn't really make the most of your opportunities in some of the places that you went. So, um, you know, this is, um, you know, a big chance here, um, a tough one to jump into, I think, just because um, was on IR for, you know, about five weeks, I'd say, and, yeah. you know, wasn't able to do any, uh, any, any cardio stuff for about three to four weeks of that. So uh, to jump into these games at this level, um, you know, is definitely a little difficult, but, you know, a challenge that, you know, you got to be ready to accept when you're at this, at this stage and, um, you know, try to run with because, like I said, had a lot of opportunity thus far. Um, need to, you know, make make the most of it here, or else um, you never really know when you're going to get it again. Yeah. What's the last week been like as you sort of to been acclimating with the Winnipeg Jets and getting those first two games under your belt? Just what's the experience been like so far? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Um, this is a fantastic group, um, a group that, you know, you, you want to be a part of. Um, the guys get along really well. Um, great coaches, great organization. Um, I will say that it, it definitely hasn't been easy. Um, you know, I think just from a physical standpoint, like I said, missed some time. Um, and then that first game jumped in with, uh, you know, Luke and, uh, and Casey. And, you know, those are two elite players in the league, guys that, um, you know, have been playing a ton of minutes for a long time and are uh, crazy fast. So it was tough to keep up with them. Um, you know, was struggling in the third and um, ended up not playing a whole lot of third. But um, it's just uh, it's day by day. Um, you know, they do a great job of trying to get you back in shape quickly here. And I feel like I'm, you know, getting better every day. And hopefully, uh, you know, I just get better game by game whenever uh, the opportunity comes to play. So when the Jets came back to Winnipeg, you were right in the thick of your minor hockey days. I guess just what was it like growing up and playing hockey in the city and knowing that they had an NHL team back? I mean, I'm, I've got about uh, almost 10 years on you now, so it, it was a little bit different for me. I was already older when the Jets came back. But for you, just when you were a kid, what was it like having the Jets back and being a player in the city? Yeah, it was great. I think, um, you know, my, my whole childhood was Manitoba Moose and you were excited about going to Moose games and we'd go to a lot of them and cheer on, um, you know, all the players that went through there. So, um, you know, that was, you know, cool in itself. But I remember uh, they came back in what year was that? That would have been 2011. 2011. Yeah. So I would have been um, 15, I think. So I was uh, I was in high school. Um, and I remember it was whenever the announcement was and everybody seemed like they were going down to Portage and Maine to go yep. hang out and, and, and get crazy. So, um, there was a huge buzz, obviously through the city, through the school, all my friends were excited for it. And then, um, you know, it's something that we didn't really expect, right. Being in yep. Winnipeg, didn't know if it was ever going to happen again. So when you're, you know, around 15 years old and now you have a chance to go watch NHL players, see the best people in the world and. Um, you're kind of in that process of um, trying to move to the WHL and see what it takes. And, and you get to go watch guys like Crosby and Malkin and, um, you know, all the guys on the Jets wheels, people like that. Uh, it's a very exciting time. So, you know, we went to a decent amount of games and um, I really started to, you know, focus more on, um, you know, just the little things with hockey and um, obviously had a ton of pride being from Winnipeg and, and cheering for the Jets. Uh, looking back on your junior career now, uh, you taught, you mentioned it there. You, you had a, a great career with the Regina Pats. Just what did it mean to you to be the captain of that team and, and just such an integral piece uh, in your last few years there? Yeah, I think I think being named captain of that team was obviously something I was proud of. Um, if anyone looks at you know kind of the stats or you know knows about my career, the first couple of years really weren't easy. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of guys that went through that program at that time, unfortunately, didn't have you know, the easiest time. And it was, um, you know, I think it was in a little bit of a rough place. And um, some new owners came in when I was 18 years old, brought in uh, John Patek, Dave Strooch. Um, and, and it really just changed around everything. Um, you know, I think for all the players that were playing there for, you know, the fans in the city and the team itself. And, um, you know, for me personally, so um, I owe everything in my career to those to those guys. Um, but I think just when you go through that adversity of not playing much when you're young, I'm not really sure what your career is going to be like and um, being close to, you know, just moving on from hockey and not sure it's what you want to do to actually sticking with it, um, grinding through and, um, 
you know, having some success later in my career and then being named captain, I think that just made it a little bit more special. Did John Paddock reach out to you at all or do you keep in touch? Uh, obviously, he has ties to the Jets as well. Yeah, yeah. Me and John, uh, we talk quite a bit. Um, you know, he's a he's a huge role model to me. Um, somebody that uh, whenever things are, you know, going good, going bad, um, you know, we have a conversation. I like to just check in with him. Um, he's very knowledgeable. So, um, you know, those 72 hours he reached out, um, you know, made a little joke about what was going on. But, you know, he's uh, he's fantastic. And like I said, um, I would not be here without without that man. So, um, you know, I, I owe everything I have to him. You mentioned John, and then in your first media uh, chat with everybody last week, you talked about having Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton kind of in your corner. What does it mean to be a young player and have and just have these figures uh, in hockey like that kind of rooting for you and as somewhere you can go to talk and, and bounce things off of? Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think that's one of the, you know, the, the things about playing, um, you know, obviously in Toronto where they brought in those veteran guys, um, obviously had some elite young talent too, um, guys that, you know, are all going to be um, Hall of Famers, I'd imagine. Um, you know, it's cool to be able to pick their brains, just see, um, you know, what they're thinking about um, certain situations, see how it kind of meshes with um, what you're thinking. And then, um, you know, obviously when situations go hard, just, uh, or get hard, um, you know, have them reach out and, and let the, let you know that they're in your corner really means a lot. Um, they've been around for a long time, Joe and Spets and, um, for them to reach out when this whole waiver thing was going on was, you know, obviously cool for me. They were really excited to see me go home and, um, see me get back to Winnipeg and, um, they think it'll be good for me. So, um, you know, I, I it's, it's, something I never would have imagined, I guess, growing up yeah. that um, I would have those guys' phone numbers in my phone and um, I would be able to call them friends and, you know, line mates at one point. But um, yeah, I think anyone that's kind of crossed paths with those guys knows the, the character that they have. And um, it's not really surprising that they're uh, reaching out and looking after their team, old teammates, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last, last couple for you uh, away from the rink. What, what types of things do you like to get up to, to keep busy? Yeah, I've, well, I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit different in Winnipeg than it, than it was in, um, you know, let's say Vegas or even Toronto. Um, you know, now that I'm home in Winnipeg, I'm, you know, looking forward to ice fishing. Haven't done yeah. it in um, a long time. Uh, I think the last time I did it, I was probably 18, home from Regina for, uh, you know, Christmas break or whatever. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. Fishing, you know, one of my two favorite, wow hockey obviously you got to say that but yeah. uh, you know uh, I you know love golf love fishing so I'm excited to get out um, Heli and I were already talking about going ice fishing so I'm excited for that and then um, it's just nice to be able to see family and friends when you're back home you don't really see them throughout the the hockey season and um, for me I haven't seen them since uh, since about August so it'll be nice to get home and just be able to uh, you know see my grandma uh, see my mom and dad a little bit and then catch up with some friends. Adam, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. It was great. Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right. Whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at WinnipegJets.com slash 50-50.
Welcome back to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, joined by Raquel Payne, the Community Relations Coordinator for the Manitoba Moose, and Annie Chipman, the Marketing Manager for the Manitoba Moose. First of all, ladies, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having us today. Hey, Tyler. Hello. Uh, well, lots of uh, exciting stuff for the Manitoba Moose. Outside of the hockey, obviously, you guys have been on a, a great season so far. Lots of, lots of wins, so that's uh, always a good thing, but... Uh, the Manitoba Moose, they're hosting their second annual gender equality game on Saturday, March 12th at 6 p.m. when the uh, Moose take on the Belleville Senators. And uh, that game aims to promote and celebrate and bring awareness to girls and women in sport. And as a part of that initiative, the Moose, you guys are launching a women in sport job shadow program. Sounds very interesting. Maybe just give us a little bit of background where this idea came from. Yeah, so a couple of years ago at our very first gender equality game, um, we had a similar kind of program um, unofficially, and we just kind of saw that the relationship between some women in the industry and kind of students coming into this industry to be very beneficial. So we kind of used that as the base of our program. We really wanted to do something that would span further than just kind of this this one month and could be something that these women could take with them in their career, whether they're just kind of figuring out what that is right now or if they're ready to enter the workforce. Um, but yeah, we just kind of thought that that one-on-one mentorship is super helpful and kind of allows these women to make connections within the industry and just work on their confidence. And that's kind of how it came about. Okay. So who all can apply for this and what sort of things do they need to do to be a successful applicant? So the application process is open to anyone who identifies as female and is 16 years uh, of age at the time of the game. But um, they also need to make sure that they're available on March 11th and 12th. It's a two-day program. So on the 11th, we're going to have the the women selected come down to the True North offices, and they're going to have an opportunity to meet with members of staff from a, a wide range of our front office. Um, they're going to get presentations from all of those different departments so they can get a sense of what positions there are available in sports. I know um, growing up, you don't necessarily know what a game producer does or what a communications um, position might look like. So just getting that awareness piece is the biggest part first. So then that'll be on the 11th, and then they'll need to come back on the 12th for the game, and they'll get a chance to shadow uh, some of our staff throughout the game and seeing behind the scenes into the broadcast booth. Uh, the production side, we'll get a tour of the dressing room and all that fun stuff. That's very interesting. And uh, just how exactly can people apply for this if listeners are thinking, hey, this is something that I might be interested in, or I know somebody that would be a good fit for this. How about do they go about applying? Um, Through the Moose website, uh, moosehockey.com, there's kind of all the information. It has a detailed um, list of kind of what the two days will look like. And then underneath that is the form to apply. So There's a couple quick questions just so we can get to know uh, the applicants a little bit better. You don't have to submit a resume or anything like that. Um, We just kind of want to know a little bit about you and why you're interested in the program. But yeah, moosehockey.com is where that that can be found. Excellent. And we've kind of touched on a little bit now, but maybe just kind of recapping just what's the goal of a program like this? You mentioned it off the top, Raquel, but just what what can people what do you hope that people take away from this? Um. We just really want these women to be aware of kind of what's out there for them and and realize that their gender is not a barrier of any sorts. Uh, as Annie mentioned, there's so many different roles that you don't really think of when you think of 
a hockey game necessarily. So we want them to see that there's a lot of different options for them in whatever route their career end up ends up going. And just for them to kind of build that confidence within themselves and within the industry. I know coming into it, I, I didn't have a background in hockey, so that was a little intimidating. But the program really just is meant to kind of show them that there's nothing standing in the way of them and a career in sport. And one of the things we, we kept coming back to when we were creating this program uh, is that you can't be what you can't see. So the biggest thing that we wanted to focus on first is that awareness um, piece and like allowing women to see all of these different roles as Raquel said. So moving from that awareness piece then into in the empowerment side. So once they're here and we meet them and we show them all these resources, we can be that support for them going forward. And it's not just a two day initiative um, we're hoping to keep those relationships going uh, long after the game. Very well said. Uh, do you have a specific piece of the two days that they're going to be there that you're really excited to to show them? Obviously, I'm sure your own worlds uh, will be exciting for both of you. Um, I think I'm most excited kind of for the behind the scenes of the game. Um, obviously, it's it's a different different way to watch the game than when you're in the stands. And I think something that's awesome about our Moose team is that everyone is genuinely friends and we kind of all hang out at the game and there's constant communication between everyone from the broadcaster to the production booth. Like even if we're not sitting together, we're all chatting, we're all really engaged in the game. And on top of that, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it, but I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking forward to the most with bringing these women in. Uh, and I read on the press release that there's a lunch. Can we just confirm that there's going to be food involved for those there that are interested food. in yes, that? Yes, yes, we'll feed them on a couple, of, uh, a couple of different occasions. We're going to have a lunch on Thursday in the offices so that we have a chance to sit down and talk to the, the women um, before the presentations begin. And of course, they'll get a pregame meal with us on game day. One of the highlights. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, for all of us. Yes. Uh, and lastly, I'll give you the floor. Maybe just. Uh, promote some of the uh, events that you guys have coming up outside of the uh, gender equality game. Uh, I know you guys have a bucket hat giveaway, a bobblehead giveaway as well. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because the most exciting thing for me personally coming up for the rest of the season is the bucket hat giveaway. Um, in my five seasons of working with the Moose, I've never been so excited for a promo item. Uh, they're pretty sweet. They've got like a reversible lid and uh, they just arrived this week and they look really sweet. It's for our spring break game. Uh, later in March, uh, as, as you mentioned, we have got a bobblehead coming up. That's this weekend. And uh, some specialty jerseys that got pushed to later in the season because of the, obviously, some of the uh, ups and downs that we faced this season. But it, it has allowed for us to have a very jam-packed second half. Like, essentially, every game, we've got some sort of promotion, community partner. And uh, the, the specialty jerseys that we have left are really fantastic. Our team did a great job of designing them. We've got our autism jersey coming up right away. Um, and our military appreciation jersey, which fans are going to love. And then our bringing back our Follow Your Dreams indigenized jersey, again, for Wasak. Um, that's always quite popular. Sounds like you guys have a lot on the go. If fans are listening and they want to check out a Moose game, they can head to moosehockey.com backslash tickets. Uh, Annie, Raquel, thanks so much for joining us here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. And this just about closes out this episode. So on behalf of myself, Mitchell Clinton, Jamie Thomas, Adam Brooks, Annie Chipman, Raquel Payne, and our illustrious producer, Daniel Moss, thank you so much for tuning into Ground Control this week. We'll talk to you again soon. This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed with